Welcome, everybody, to a Monday night edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, one of the few that was not at the Houston Texans Charity Golf Classic today. I am not one much for golfing, to be honest with you. Last time I went golfing, I tried to run over my boss's boss, and that wasn't a good thing. Yeah, In short, I was in a cart behind Jamie Roots, the president of the Texans, as Mark Vandermeer was teeing off. And I ran into Jamie Roots, and it just went south from there. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Jamie was great about it. I still have a job, which is fantastic. And of course, those two don't let me—they uh, don't let me go a day without hearing about that. Uh, Jamie, in particular, when he sees me, he makes sure he stays out of my way so I don't run him over. Uh, but that's okay. But it was a great time had by all at the Houston Texans. Golf Classic today over at River Oaks, presented by BMW. And we're going to have some sound from that event from uh, three of the individuals I think a lot of people want to hear from, Bill O'Brien, Brian Gain, and J.J. Watt. That's right, J.J. met with the media. So we'll have uh, that audio for you uh, from those three particular individuals. Drew Doherty's going to stop by, and we'll talk about one of those individuals, the number 84 player in the NFL, mind you, as judged on by the NFL players. Obviously, if J.J. Watt were healthy, he wouldn't have been number 84. But do we have expectations for what we're going to see from J.J., or is it a complete mystery? I think it may be a little bit of both. I mean, I have expectations. I always do. When that guy goes on the field, and, and a, a Green Bay Packer said it best about J.J. Watt, and I'll give you that later on when we talk with Drew Doherty. And the NFL power rankings are out. And, well, Vegas has spoken too. And I don't know which one you want to trust or believe. They're kind of all in the same ballpark, seemingly. But Elliot Harrison does NFL power rankings for NFL.com. And we'll get into that and where the Texans fall, but also where the Texans' opponents fall. And one thing really stood out to me as I started going through that list, near the bottom of the list, five games the Texans will play are against teams 29, 30, 31, and 32 as ranked right now. Now, that can mean nothing. Atlanta a few years ago was ranked 19 going into the 2016 season, and then they had a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl and should have been Super Bowl champs that year. Didn't work out, but Atlanta was a lot better than 19. So Jacksonville last year, I think the start of the year, was 30, and then it turned in a heartbeat. Actually, week one it turned, and then it just kept turning, and that team ended up going to the AFC Championship, should have gone to the Super Bowl. I don't know what I would have done if Jacksonville had gotten to the Super Bowl. After years of 3-13 and 13 and 4-12 and 2-14, and 2 and 14, if that team had gotten to a Super Bowl, my goodness. But today was all about the Houston Texans Charity Golf Classic presented by BMW, but it's also an opportunity for the media to head on out there and get some sound and talk about some things coming up. This is a big week for the Texans, especially the rookies. Now, the team itself... The vets, they're already here. They're doing their workouts, see them all over the place, uh, doing what they're supposed to do nutrition-wise, doing what they're supposed to do on the field, in the workout room, the sports performance center, etc. They will get on the practice field before too long, but it's the rookies' opportunity this week. The rookies report on Thursday. They start practice on Friday and then have practice on Saturday and one on Sunday. Now, Friday and Saturday, in the past, we have been able to see Friday and Saturday, but then nothing on Sunday. Last year, of course, we all wanted to see Deshaun Watson. What did he look like? Throwing the football, how was that going to look? We were all excited about that. Obviously, no Deshaun Watson, but we get a first glance at Justin Reed, at Martinez Rankin, 
I would say Jordan Aikens, but I had a chance to see him at the Senior Bowl working with the Texans coaches. So that'll just be kind of uh, bringing that relationship back to the forefront. So it'll be good to get that going on. Bill O'Brien today was asked about rookie minicamp and what really uh, the rookies are in for when they arrive. Yeah, they'll arrive. Uh, they'll arrive on Thursday. We'll, we'll meet Thursday night, and then they'll be with us Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's an early wake-up. Um, they'll lift with uh, Luke and his crew. They'll, they'll they'll be educated quite a bit on nutrition with Lad and his crew, and uh, and then they'll be with us quite a bit. So it's a it's a long day. You know, it's a long day. The, the the rules that apply to veterans, you know, relative to the CBA, they don't all apply to the rookies. So you can you can really uh, you know work with them and, and get them going. That sound, of course, you hear in the background are some metal drivers making contact. Uh, there's something about that that I absolutely I love hearing. I almost would hear that more than I would hear what Coach O'Brien's because I know what the schedule is going to be for these guys. So it is interesting for listeners to hear. But I hear that ping, that ping. It's like aluminum bats in college baseball. I love the I love the ping, and that's obviously what we got right there from Bill O'Brien. He was then asked about players that aren't rookies, do they have an opportunity to be involved in the rookie minicamp? It's a pretty complicated rule, John, but there are guys that uh, have been with us. Uh, they, they have not uh, they don't have an accrued season, so they can, they're eligible for minicamp, and, and those guys will be out there um, for the rookie minicamp. You, you, you know, like a guy like Giovanni. Giovanni will be out there for rookie minicamp, which will be really good. We'll get to work with him on the field, and uh, we really try to make sure we have have that nailed down so we have as many guys as we can that are eligible to be there be there and, and work with us for those three days the Giovanni he's referring to right there is Giovanni Robinson tight end out of North Carolina State was a basketball player and I've seen him around the building a few times and he's an impressive looking dude I'm I'm with coach on that it would be good to see him run around obviously with pads on once they get to training camp but just to see him run around catch the football a little bit and do some football things That'll be kind of nice, but that's the Giovanni he's referring to. And it's players like that that you end up finding in rookie minicamp. You're like, oh, man, who's that guy? Had no idea he could do those particular things, but then you find it out. And obviously you're going to have players that were undrafted. You're going to have players that are undrafted that are here on just a tryout. Corey Moore was one of those players a couple years ago. Chris Thompson was a player like that last year. He was a tryout player, ended up making a 53, and became a factor on his team over the last half of the year. Uh, unfortunately, he had to be that because there were so many injuries at his and other positions as well. So uh, there you go from Bill O'Brien. Now, one other thing from Bill, he was asked about what are the different phases of conditioning? You're in phase one, but then you're moving on to phase two. Now, phase one was the conditioning, and you hear a lot about Luke, and you hear a lot about Lad. Luke Richardson, the Sports Performance Center, Ladder Nutritionist, we've seen it throughout the building, man. We've seen it in the cafeteria for us. Like, there's different food we're eating. Everything's organic. I go for a peanut butter jelly. I'm eating it on uh, seeded bread. I've never eaten I've always eaten on white. I mean, and I love it. It's fantastic. So the players are being uh, – are under that realm, regime, I guess, if you will, right now with Luke and Ladd taking over here, Coach Reference. And they have a few times. But Phase 2 is coming up. What does Phase 2 encompass, Coach? Phase 2 is a little bit different now because we can work with them as coaches on the field, whereas Phase 1, we can't do anything with, on, with them on the field. We can only work with them in the classroom. So now we incorporate a little bit more of uh, football uh, relative to the field. But it's still 
uh, I would say the primary focus is with Luke and his crew with the with the weight room. So, you know, basically the way I look at it is it's a nine-week program, five weeks of it. Really the emphasis is about Luke and his crew, a little bit of football with us, and then the last four weeks it kind of flips because now we get into OTAs and minicamp, and it's more about, uh, you, you know, the football side of things, practice, meetings, walkthroughs, all those things. So, uh, but it's been going well, and, and we're having a, we're, we're getting a lot out of it. It's been really good. It's been a whirlwind of a few months for Brian Gainey. He takes over as a GM for the Houston Texans, thrown right into the draft, and I know that man was putting in a lot of work. I, I'd venture a guess that he probably didn't sleep for probably two or three days. But you know what? Like everybody else, he's got kids. He's got to take care of business. That's why he did this. Thursday night I was flying to Washington, D.C. to go to my daughter's eighth grade uh, <laughs> tour of Washington, D.C. the last two Aww. days. So the chaperone. I need to be a dad. I need to start being a dad again. So it's been a dose of reality. But It's funny. I've had a lot of people over the years say that to me about what I do. And, man, it's just it's so fun. It's like you live in a different world. And it's true, but Brian's right. Well, when you come back to the real world, we've all got things going on. We've all got families. We've all got family issues. We've all got different things that are happening and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, you've got to see to those needs, especially this time of year, man. You've got middle school kids taking trips. You've got high school kids getting ready for graduation. you all kinds of stuff going on. So you still got to be a parent, there's no doubt. And obviously, Brian, living up to those duties. Now, one of the things that we've talked about over the years, and it's impacted numerous Texans draft picks, and the Texans are obviously not the only ones. This happened last year to the Carolina Panthers after drafting Christian McCaffrey number eight overall. Even regardless of a player left early or he graduated, if a school didn't graduate until a particular date, that player was essentially ineligible to participate in any NFL activities until that graduation date. A lot of times it's the Pac-12 schools. UCLA and Stanford are two. I'm trying to think if there are others. Well, obviously the Texans have two players from Stanford in this draft class. Well, the rule has been changed and tweaked to allow those players to not fall further behind. Brian talked about that today when asked by the venerable John McClain. Yeah, so it's a unique thing that uh, that helps us now in terms of the players being here uh, when we need them to be, but also if they have... Uh, expectations that need to be met in terms of their graduation timeline as it relates to the players from the Pac-12 where that's happened in the past. But uh, the compromise basically has been they now have the ability to take care of their profession and still go through and see uh, their graduation, their ability to graduate and, and to participate in that. So it's a delicate balance between both. But with the new rule, it's been able to accommodate both ends of it, our end and what they need to do. For Two Stanford kids will be here. Yes. Last and certainly not least, well, not on this show anyways, the man himself, J.J. Watt, was out at the Golf Classic and said he played golf uh, just recently with his brother up in Pittsburgh. That was T.J. In fact, that probably is why he tweeted out a picture of Primanti Brothers sandwich, which I I like going to Pittsburgh. I loved our trip in 14. I hate the fact that we haven't gone back. But either way, J.J. said he played, had a 49 in the front nine. I'll tell you this, I would take a 49 in the front nine. That would give you 98 for 18. I'd take that. I think I was 145 the last time I played, and that was that was rough. I think I lost more balls than strokes, man. It was ridiculous. But either way, back to football here. J.J. was asked about the excitement that people are feeling with everybody coming back healthy this offseason, the additions that were made. He said, yeah, there's definitely some excitement, but it's the offseason. 
I'm not going to make any bold proclamations. Oh, there's a lot. I mean, obviously, we're all very excited. Um, guys are putting in a lot of work. You know, the offseason really isn't a time for big proclamations or statements on what you're going to do. It's a time to put in the work, uh, enjoy some time with family and some of the things you don't get to do during the season. Uh, it's mainly about getting yourself ready for the season. I think our guys have been doing a really good job of that. We're really enjoying being around each other, putting in the work. We have a great strength program. We have a great nutrition program. Uh, it's been it's been going really well. I feel great. Uh, I feel very good. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put any percentages on it or anything. Like I said earlier in the off season, I could tell you I feel unbelievable. I could tell you I feel not that good. Uh, you won't know until I hit the field. So just just show up to training camp, watch how I play, and then you can decide for yourself how I look. Oh, I cannot wait to get to training camp to see that man do his work. Now, before we all get there. This Sunday is Mother's Day, and we should all celebrate. JJ was asked what he was going to do for his mother, and then, well, Google Alerts was brought up. Well, I'll let JJ explain. I can't give away the secret. You know my mom has Google Alerts on my name, so I can't <laughs> give it away. But, uh, yeah, we're hoping to do something a little bit special for her. Man, I sure hope my mom does have Google Alerts on her phone for me. That would be ugly, especially if she followed my Twitter timeline. But I guess that's just a... A problem JJ's going to have to have. My mom wouldn't even know what Google is, much less Google Alerts. So there you go. All right, we're going to get to Drew Doherty next. We're going to talk about 99 and talk about the impact he can still have. And a tweet that I got this weekend that, well, it's somewhat the genesis of this discussion. And let's just say I was a little irked by it. We'll talk about that next right here in Texans All Access. Welcome back to Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Joining me now, fresh off the golf course, uh, actually a few hours ago, actually, is Drew Doherty. He's got the nice red skin for it, too. <laughs> How was it, man? I just uh, played some sound from that initial, uh, from the, uh, I guess, the little tiny press conferences yeah. of Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien. What do you think, being out there? It was good. It was good hearing from Watt to yeah. you know heard what he had to say. But uh, it was a nice, beautiful day, nice and warm. Um, you know, and the, I think the best part of that is about four hundred thousand dollars raised for Houston Texans charities, and That's it's right. all part of the thirty million they've raised in, for the foundation since two thousand two. So, good times today. Good times. I focus more on Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien in the first yeah. segment. Yeah, but JJ Watt. Let, let me. I, I'm gonna. I got a tweet this weekend, and I, I was sort of, I was sort of irate about it. I didn't respond back, but I got a, I got a tweet. You get fired up sometimes. I do. I, I really, there's nothing wrong with that. I do. But the tweet was, "Hey John, so how many games over under until JJ gets hurt again?" Yeah. Game was, three. Was this a Texans fan or someone purported to be a Texans fan or just some rando? Well, you no, know, it's not a rando. It's somebody that's followed me for a long time. To be honest with you, and I saw this tweet, and I was like. I wanted to kind of blast back, like you're kidding, right? Or maybe not. I I, I was floored. I was I, I didn't even know what to say in response, and so I was like, you know what? Maybe I ought to just save that for the show because some of my best, best venom ever comes mm-hmm. will come out of me from oh. the radio show, yeah. which uh, and that's not just this one, but many others in the past. But it got it got me thinking about about him, and then hearing him today talk about. His inspiration, the inspiration that uh, his girlfriend has provided. Right. She went through an ACL tear, then she got back, and she obviously has been pushing him to get back. I don't even know what to – you know, with most injuries, Drew, there's a lot of times where I can look at injury and go, okay, I know that's typically a, a six- to eight-month process. So, you know, that's going to be like a three- to four-month process. That's going to be a couple of weeks, whatever. 
what he suffered, I I don't even know what the return rate is. I don't even know when a guy is supposed to come back from that or any athlete, male or female, to come back from that, especially a guy that's 290 pounds and plays with the quickness and ferocity that he does. Well, you know what Cushing had in 13? I don't know. Or 12? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not – I'm not completely sure about that. I think it was similar, but it's a tibial plateau. So I think it, and maybe even Arian in 13, I believe. Maybe so. Um, I never knew why Arian was hurt in 13. I'll be honest with you. I I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention. If I had checked out on 2013 when it happened, I don't know. Yeah. But I thought that's what Brian had, but I'm not totally sure. I just I'd like to believe that, and we all like to believe that JJ is going to come back in in some way, shape, or form. But I thought about this as I was driving this morning. And I thought, what if, what if we only get, and I mean, and I know it sounds negative the way I'm saying it, but what if we get eight sacks from JJ this year? What if that's what we get? Is is that cause for alarm? If I told you, okay, is JJ, eight, is that eight sacks get, through sixteen games, or is that eight sacks through five games? Eight sacks through sixteen games. Okay, eight sacks through sixteen games. He gets one every other game. And that's the thing. I've always said that sacks don't determine what a guy's impact actually is. Mm-hmm. I've still said that if J.J. is healthy for 14, 15, 16 games. Let me flip it around on you. What if J.J. gets eight sacks through 16 games, but it's kind of like a Jadeveon Clowney 2016 right. where he had eight sacks. He was a force of nature. Even though he had eight sacks, yeah. he still... Was awesome. I mean, yeah. I'd take that if yeah. that's if he's playing like that. I'll take that all day long. Yeah, I mean, because that, that also means somebody else is getting a lot of sacks, probably. And that's and that's kind of what I thought. And I and I thought about that of the of the three big names, Whit, Whitney, and Jadeveon, and JJ. If two of those guys had under ten sacks, but one guy had over ten sacks, so they each have eight. Two guys have eight, and then one guy has twelve. Is that something we could live with in twenty eighteen? Yes, because your sack total as a team has risen. That means you're getting after the quarterback more. You're probably forcing more turnovers. You're getting. I mean, I guarantee you, if the sacks rise, the turnovers are going to really rise as yeah. well. Because if the, the sacks are rising, that also means you're going to be around the quarterback more. Even if you are not getting to him and getting for a sack, still, the numbers being up there means you're going to be after him more and causing more consternation for the guy, causing more headaches for the guy, making him make quicker decisions, it's going to make your turnovers rise, and that's when this defense is at its best. Or has this been is going to sound best. like a really weird observation, but is J.J. playing in a golf tournament a good thing? I actually thought it was. Yeah, it means he's able to stand up. Right. He's able to stand Hit up. He's ball. able to do an athletic th- I mean, the, the torque that goes through your back and your legs and everything when you're hitting a golf ball, I mean, that to me was one of the best signs of the entire golf tournament, was seeing him out there doing his thing. Well, think about it. He was asked... You know, hey, he put a percentage on it, and he said, nope, not going to put one on it. And it's almost like he can say, yeah, I'm 100% right now, right. but he doesn't want to because right. he doesn't want to create an expectation because stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. He was he was back last year, and he had a, a, a an injury that was unrelated to any of the stuff before it. Right. You know, he was he was diving and playing four square during training camp. Right. He wouldn't have been doing that if he'd not been back. Right. He played in a few games. We, we, we've done a film room on the game against the Patriots when he yeah. started the game off with two tackles for loss. Had another one where he tackled a guy at the line of scrimmage. It was right. almost a TFL. Right. And that's the play we ended up doing a film room on. Yeah. He was back last year, and then he had a knee injury that happens. Right. I mean, it sometimes happens. So I think he's back right now. He just doesn't want to 
create this this idea publicly that yeah. you know, hey, oh, I have to be one hundred percent, and right. and if anything happens, he's back. I think he's going to be fine, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Let's say that he's not he's not at one hundred percent, but he's pretty darn close, mm-hmm. or even at that point. Would you have to do anything in OTAs? You know, I don't think he's going to do anything. I think he is 100, but I don't, I don't think he's going to do much in OTAs. Right. I think he'll be out there on the field, but I don't think you'll see him mixing it up with guys right. probably. yeah. And, but, I mean, the, there's no pads, and so guys aren't really hitting. But, but then I thought that last year, and then the first day I was walking over the bridge, and he's I see him out there, and he's doing stuff. So, yeah. man, maybe he will. I mean, it would be nice to see him in OTAs. I guess that's the part of it. You get out to OTAs, you want to see as much of the team together as you possibly can. But, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously, I know I have to kind of kind of quell my excitement for this is what the team is going to look like because I don't know how much we'll see Deshaun in this whole situation. Mm-hmm. I do think there's some things he'll be able to do. I think Deshaun could do some seven-on-seven. Seven. I think that he could throw one-on-ones. And to me, that's that's pretty darn good. Yeah. He, he can throw um, you know, just that alone. I think that ends up being not perfect, but I think it's pretty good. Hold that thought. I want to get back to Deshaun, but I want to put a a bow on the J.J. Watt thing. I think he has seen some of this, these ideas that you got tweeted about, Mm -hmm. about, well, is he going to get injured? I think he's seen that, and he's knowing how good he feels right now. This this is all just me thinking out loud. I think he feels really good, and he feels like he's going to be who he thinks he can be. And I think he's licking his chops at 2018. Yeah. Just getting ready to prove that little faction of people out there wrong. Right. That's not his sole motivation, obviously. But I guarantee you he notices that and he delights in overcoming that. <laughs> yes. Because what did we see last, like two weeks ago during the draft? He posted a screenshot from Facebook when he got picked in 2011. Right. A lot of people who didn't know anything about the booze who hadn't and the watched, you know, and, the... and just said, "Oh, this is a bad pick." And right. he remembers, and I think he he uses that sometimes yeah. as one form of motivation. That's not the sole form, right. but I think he looks forward to proving haters wrong. I like that Watt. Yeah, oh I yeah, li- I like that Watt. Hell yeah. I mean, look, I like seeing JJ on SI and doing country music awards and all that kind of stuff, but I like motivated, pissed off JJ Watt. I like, I like that yeah, a lot. I like a sack and a half, two TFLs. Batted pass per game. What fumble recovery? Six tackles. What? Yeah, that's fun too. Mike Daniels of uh, NFL Top 100. By the way, the NFL Top 100 players is on again tonight on NFL Network. Mm-hmm. I do not know if, if the Texans will have a player in the. So let's see. Last week it was two. It was 91 to 100, and then it was 81 to 90. So mm-hmm. tonight will be 71 70s. to 80. So I've said all along. I think there will be four more players. There will be Hopkins, Hopkins, Clowney. Watson. Watson and Tyron. You think Tyron will be there? I think Tyron will be on it. Okay. I think he'll be on it. Which means I, I kinda think that it's the next couple episodes for Tyron. I think yeah. I think Clowney's somewhere in the fifties and sixties. Even though I thought he'd too low. No. no I, I think I think it's be, I think he'll be way higher. I think he no, should no, no. be. People people recognize. I, well, people recognize the players, players recognize, recognize. And I think it's gonna be he's gonna be really high. I think he should be a lot he higher. He and Hop that. are gonna be really, really well, high. Clowney was forty nine last year. It's that's going up. I, I guarantee hope so. you. I hope so. I know Hop's going to be – he needs to be back in the top 20 like he was a couple of years ago. I think he was 19 in 2016. So I think he, he should be of that ilk again. Sure. Especially the couple, the catches he made. I was watching the film room that we did of of uh, DeAndre making it. And there really wasn't much to the film room. It was just like, watch. Yep. Just watch. I mean, there's nothing we really can point out other than the fact that when he's going up, they try and catch it with the right hand, and he's holding Joe Hayden off and tips it to himself. It's sick. 
And it he just, does. It's so sick. And John, it's ridiculous. He does that or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Every single practice and ev- just about yep. every single game, and he's done that since he started yeah. in 2013. That's the the amazing thing about him. He's unreal. Every day he does the remarkable, and we it's so much fun getting to see it in practice. I think we could possibly see Tyron either tonight or we could see him the following week. I think Tyron's – my, my guess he would be in the top 60. I think Clowney is in the top – I think Clowney is within the top 50, but I, I just – I think he should be in the top 40, but I think people hold the fact that Texas were 4-12 and 12 against him and he didn't have 10 sacks and all that kind of nonsense. But I do know uh, this. I do I know think this. He, I think Sean McVay was scared to death of him. I, yeah, and I, that's why I think – and the players recognize all yep. that stuff. I mean, they saw Monday Night Football when he – they're a Raven that's in six feet my, under right now. One of my favorite plays of the entire season was Clowney in that game. The play before, he had made a tackle for a loss, and the tackle had come out. And they put a – they moved the guard out to tackle, and so they put a new guard in the game. So he goes against that guard, and he just – he swats him. And immediately after beating him by swatting him and moving inside, the center stepped over to take him – and then he swam him and then went sack Flacco. I'm talking about the tight end that he blasted in the, in the next week. You know, the, the guy that was coming coming over. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He didn't, make I the ta- I don't, he didn't get a stat on the play, but no. he just he wrecked this guy. I think he should be in the top 30 at a minimum, but I, I think players. I bet he's there. I bet you he's in the top 30. I hope so. I'm curious to see who goes tonight. But point being, J.J. was listed at number 84 in this whole thing, and, and Mike Daniels. This is what got me on that was Mike Daniels was talking about him. And I love Mike Daniels for the Packers. He talks more than anybody I've ever seen on the field. He's mm-hmm. so fun to watch. A good player, too. Great player. But he talks all the time. And they'll ask the different players about the other players. Mm-hmm. And so they got to Watt, and Mike Daniels was like, look, when you're beasting the way that he was, you don't just lose it. Yeah, It's not just gone. He goes, he's going to come right back in and do maybe, and and I can't remember if he said maybe to the degree, but he was basically saying even if he doesn't get to that level again, he's still going to be beasting again when he comes back. That's a good point. You know, I'd be fascinated to see how, I mean, we're all fascinated to see how it does turn out, but that's that's an interesting, you don't hear people say that too much. Yeah. You know, that he's just going to, he's going to slide right back in and be productive because of who he is. Yeah. The one thing I thought about was, JJ for so long has been quicker than anybody up front. Mm-hmm. Will he will he lose that having gone through a leg injury? Now after the back injury, he certainly was Didn't. as quick as he's ever been. I right. mean, we we saw that in New England. I mean, he was as quick as ever. And then they stayed away from the rest of the game because right. of that. Yeah. And then in the Kansas City game, even before that, and in the Tennessee game, you could still see the quickness and the explosiveness. Uh-huh. Now with a leg injury, is that does that take away from it? I and mean, we'll find out. But I I agree with Mike Daniels. If you are at one point beasting, you're going to do it again. Yeah. You know how to do it. You may have to adapt a little bit along the way. You may have to do a few more things, but you don't just lose it. Yeah. It's very rare for a player to just go, oh, my gosh, he was so dominant, and then he's just garbage? Gosh, no, that's not going to happen. I can't wait, man. I can't wait to see this defense. It's going to be fun. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. With Matthew and Colvin added to it. With Justin Reed added to the mix. Uh, getting Whitney back. And, and that's the one I've said for a while, I think. I think Whitney is as underrated as it gets throughout the league. I, w- I wish Witt would get the 10-plus sacks. I wish Witt would get like 13 and a half, 14 sacks, and people truly recognize how good a pass rusher yeah. 
he actually is now and how accomplished a pass rusher he's become. And there's someone you can say is 100% because yeah. he, he said he was there he in January. He you know, said he, it. He, he said he probably could have played had the Texans been in the playoffs, had, you know, had <sighs> he been active. So Don't even do that to me, Drew Doherty. Pectoral injury, he's, he's back. Don't even he's do back. that to me. Drew, appreciate you stopping by, Anytime, brother. man. We get back, we'll figure out what the media have to think about the Texans. One in particular from NFL.com, Elliot Harrison has his power rankings. Where the Texans rank heading into this part of the offseason? Well, we'll discuss that. And where are they in relation to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Ooh, people seem to love them some Jaguars. Talk about that next right here in Texans All Access. We've got one final segment of this Monday edition of Texans All Access. Emanates from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I like that word. 50-cent word right there, emanate. Very simply put, it is coming to you live from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, as Brent Musburger used to say. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Glad to be with you. You know, last Tuesday, we were out at Fuddruckers. First time we've been out in about for a while. We will not be out tomorrow. Mark will be in tomorrow to have the show. I'm sure I'll pop on at some point tomorrow with him as well. I, I've talked about this for, for a while. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, and I say I'm a big fan, but let me explain. I'm a big fan of power rankings. And not so much that I live and eat, breathe, like, oh, man, this power ranking is just awesome. No, not really that much. But I, I, I like to read what people have to write about where this Texans team is, where it's going, where it will be, et cetera. And then also how the league is perceived. And again, how that all ties into the 2018 schedule where the Texans are. I always find it fascinating. It was in the 2016 power rankings. The Atlanta Falcons were ranked 19th at this point. And then ended up being a team that played for the Super Bowl. In fact, should have had the Super Bowl had they held on to a 28-3 lead. I'm sure that's something Atlanta Falcon fans couldn't care less about hearing at this point. But Elliot Harrison does his power rankings for NFL.com. So where does he put the Texans? Well, he doesn't have them in the top ten after this after this draft. He that's basically what he did. He did power rankings after free agency, and then he did it after the draft. And so this is the one after the draft. I'm sure he'll do one like right before the season starts. Although I wouldn't imagine there's going to be too much that goes on this off season. I wouldn't imagine between now and training camp, unless there are some injuries that could happen during OTAs, mini camps, etc. Players don't report. Last year, Aaron Donald didn't report for a while, and he did get back for the first game. And of course, the Rams—I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but the Rams finally put it all together. Speaking of the Rams, the Rams on this list, number two, they're up four spots. Their draft consisted of a keep to leave Marcus Peters and Dominic Sue. Sammy Watkins leaves, but they bring in Brandy Cooks. So, to lead Peters, Cooks, Sue. That's pretty nice. Rams are two. Who's at number one? Well, you could have guessed. The Philadelphia Eagles, the defending champs. And why not? Carson Wentz comes back healthy. He wants to get a ring on his finger. Now, he'll get one for this past year. But I'm sure he wants to have one as the starting quarterback, as Nick Foles got one last year. So, Eagles at one. The Texans will play in Philadelphia on the 22nd, I believe. Is it the 22nd? Maybe the 23rd. But they'll play Philadelphia late in the season. And I've said this many times. 
I believe that that game will not mean anything, which is good to catch the Eagles at a point where it could not mean anything, where the Eagles maybe have the, the NFC East wrapped up, like number one seed wrapped up, they're going into week 16, they don't need the game. Or vice versa, the Texans come in and they've got things sewn up in the AFC South. And maybe it's playing for seeding, who knows. I just I don't mind going to Philadelphia in December for whatever reason. Yes, it's going to be cold. And yes, it's going to be two cold games back-to-back. Jets the week before, and then Philadelphia. But, you know, look, you're in the Northeast. It's Christmas time. It's cold. I, I like cold games. I just don't like snow and rain games. Well, snow's fine. Snow's fine. The rain, ooh, that's tough. That's the, that's the one I don't really care for too much. And you know I've already looked at that. New England, September, possibility that... Yeah, that could be, but September should be good weather. Last last year was hot. I think the first two games of the year could actually be pretty hot. Hot I'm okay with. I've done hot before many, many times. Patriots and then Titans and then the Colts are indoors. And then you get into October and then it should be it should be okay going forward, but we could have some cold games at the end of the year. Point being, the Eagles ranked by Ellie Harrison number one in the league. Rams number two. Patriots are at number three. Top team in the AFC at that point. The second best team in the AFC. At number four, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I will let me be very clear about the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are hella talented. They've got talent all over the place. They did it one year. They made a run to the AFC Championship game. They had everything break their way. They played a fourth-place schedule. So, they... Stayed healthy all year. I do think the style with which Jacksonville plays, and that was that was kind of born out early in the year. And and I'll I was uh, at the we were at the Greenbrier, and I was driving to go pick up my son after about a couple weeks of practice. He was down in North Carolina. I was going to pick up my son. He was going to stay a few days with me at the Greenbrier, um, or in West Virginia. We weren't at the Green Greenbrier, but close either way. So I went to go pick him up, and so I was listening to Jacksonville Radio, because I still know a lot of people there. And so I was listening. Hey, what are they saying? What are they saying? And I think it was a couple days prior, Blake Bortles had had just a horrid, horrid scrimmage. So I wanted to see how they were reacting. And so it was kind of interesting, because that day I was listening, they all were remarking about how physical the practice had been. They were down on the goal line. They were doing goal line drills. Leonard Fournette is flying over the top. And they were just talking about how physical the practices were. And I just remember thinking, I don't like hearing that because I just think the more physical that you are in practice, that carries over to the field. And I remember watching in week one against us, I just thought, oh, boy, this is all coming to fruition. They probably griped and complained during training camp, but they're seeing the benefits of it now. And then they played that way all the way throughout. They're a big, bad bully. But you know what? If you hit the bully in the mouth or you run around the bully – you got an opportunity to do that because you've got some athleticism, obviously, on your side as well. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, number four in the league. Last year at this time, I would assume the Jaguars were in the bottom four. This year, they're in the top four. One year changes everything. But can the Jaguars stay up there? Now, I I don't like going facing Jacksonville, and there's a multitude of reasons for that. I think that team has been talented for years. I felt like it was going to come together. That's always a tough game for me anyways just because – I lived down there. I lived close. I know a lot of people in that area. I, it's just 
And I, I don't take a lot of pride in going to Jacksonville and beating Jacksonville. But these games with Jacksonville could be very, very intriguing in 2018, especially if that team stays number four. I think a week seven game going down there is going to be one of the most important ones that Texas play, depending on how they come out of the first six. But I, I feel like coming out of the first six, four and two, potentially, love to see them six no, you know that. But coming out of there at least four and two, going out of Jacksonville, boy, that's a really important game. Really, really important to go down to Jacksonville. So we'll see what Blake Bortles is made of. We'll see if that team can stay healthy. It did last year, and it paid off. I don't know that I would look at the draft of the Jaguars and say, oh, man, they just went up to a different level. Taven Bryant's going to be a rotational player early on. He'll be a player down the road. There's no, there's no question to me. He's athletic. He's quick. He's the type of player they need to have. But there's going to come a point where they got to decide between Dante Fowler, and they did not give him the option. Now, they could extend him. But they didn't give him a fifth-year option, so he could ball out and then leave because they're going to end up paying Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe's a stud, but can they keep Clay's Cam? How long is Campbell there? How long is Malik Jackson going to play? How long can they hold up physically? That's the other aspect of it. So that's why they obviously drafted Taven Bryan. But the Jags are number four. Number five, the Vikings. Number six, the Saints. Number seven, the Falcons. So the NFC South is represented with two teams in the top seven. Steelers, eight. Packers 9, which I find fascinating because I guess I follow a few people on uh, on Twitter that are either Packers analysts or they are big Packers fans and they retweet things. It just sounds to me like nobody expects the Packers to do anything, but yet they're, they're ranked ninth, And part of that is obviously because of number 12, but they're ranked ninth. Number 10, the Panthers. So three teams in the NFC South in the top 10. 11, the Chargers. I've been saying this about the Chargers for a while. I think the Chargers are the sneakiest hot team in the AFC. And then sitting at number 12, your Houston Texans. So, as it pertains to the AFC, that's 12. The Texans are at 12. So, the Patriots, Jaguars, Steelers, Chargers, Texans. So, they're number 5 in the AFC, number 12 overall. This from Elliot Harrison. He says, the Texas personnel department was probably playing Magic the Gathering or Duck Hunt. Don't know either one of them. On Thursdays, this group didn't own a first-round pick. He said, think they're still fine with where that draft choice went. Or a second-rounder, they're definitely happy what that choice afforded them. Yet, Houston Brass managed to make a good third-round selection. As any team with safety, Justin Reed, he could start right away. Fellow third-round pick, Martinez Rankin, can play multiple spots in the offensive line which means he can also contribute almost immediately. Houston should challenge Jacksonville's hold on the AFC South right out of the gate. Here's what I find interesting. The Texans did win the division in 11, and then in 12, and then in 15, and then 16. When was the last time the Jacksonville Jaguars had won a division prior to, to last year? I mean, they, they've got a hold on it now because they won it once, but Blind Squirrel finds a nut every now and again. So... The Colts won it in 13-14. The Texans won it four other times. So in four of the six years, the Texans have won it. In those two other years, the Colts won it. So I don't know where <laughs> you know, Jacksonville has, you know, they won the division for a year. And look, the Texans in 15-16 and 16 were 9-7, and seven, and the division was down. The division is no longer down. So that's two in the AFC South in the top 12. And then right there at 13, the Tennessee Titans. So you got three of the AFC South in the top 13. 
You've got three of the NFC South in the top ten. And then the Colts, I'd imagine the Colts are further down the road, and there they are at number 32. 32. Here's the other thing I like looking at, at this exercise when you're looking at power rankings in the NFL. The Texans will play team number one, team number three, the Patriots. Team number four, they'll play them twice. They will play team number, and then that's it. So that's uh, Eagles, Patriots, and two Jaguars. So four of the games in the top ten. Then you know, they see the Titans at 13. They'll face them twice. Then you got to go for a while before you start seeing the teams. They face the Bills at number 20. That's at home. They face the Cowboys, number 22, at home. They 23, Redskins. They'll face them on the road. 25, Giants. They face them uh, at home. They face the Broncos, 26, on the road. They face the Jets, 29. They face the Dolphins, 30. They face the Browns, 31. They face the Colts, 32. There's an opportunity against a schedule like this for the Texans to get right. Again, according to one power ranking, the Texans are sitting 12th with Patriots, Jaguars, and Eagles in front of them. And if one of those games against the Eagles doesn't even matter, you're talking about the Patriots and the Jaguars, that's three games. Titans are right behind them at 13. Moved up a spot from 14, apparently. So... There, that's the power rank because that's what people think about this team. I look at it and think they're playing a complete bottom order. Look, I mean, the schedule down at the bottom. They face teams 29, 30, 31, 32, and they face 32 twice. Now, we know there have been years where the Colts have not been good and the Texans have been very good, and they've still gone to Lucas Oil and not played well. Last year they went to Lucas Oil with a shell of a team and didn't play well in the second half in particular and ended up walking away with an L. But this is an opportunity. Dolphins, home. Browns, home. Colts, home and away. Jets on the road in December. Now, who knows what the Jets will look like at that point. They added a couple of pieces, I thought, in their their draft. And we'll see probably Sam Darnold, which I wouldn't mind facing him this year. Years down the road, eh, not so much. But rookie quarterback against this crew, if it's healthy, I'll take it. No doubt. Got to thank Drew Doherty for stopping by. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks so much for your support. As always, we'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.